This is Z. Thanks for stopping by. If you'd like to train in the world's greatest kung fu, stop on over at www.sifuz.com. If you'd like to hear original music written and recorded by yours truly, check out soundcloud.com slash music for dogs. Of course, you can always find us over here at anchor.fm slash integrity and also over at twitter.com slash sifu underscore z and of course i'd like to thank all of our contributors over at patreon.com slash the art of integrity stay tuned for more integrity radio you know i don't mind that people give their opinions in fact, it's nice to hear other people's opinions. Yeah, I mean, we let's use a fancier word, perspective. It's nice to hear other people's perspectives. Of course, if you've been listening to me for any length of time, uh, you'll know that <clears throat> one of my perspectives is that people lack unique perspective. But what I really appreciate is someone who gives an opinion and asks, their listeners to challenge their perspective or their opinion. I don't know, maybe it's the uh, Kung Fu in me, but I get really excited when someone offers an intellectual challenge. And my assumption is that when I give my opinion, my perspective, that my opinions and perspective will be challenged intellectually. Hopefully not emotionally. Let's say intellectually with a little bit of emotion. Yeah, we got to use emotion to uh, get our communique through. Yes? Now, I'm not interested in argument just for argument's sake. But what I find insidious and just deplorable is when someone purports to want to have their opinions challenged. It's unfortunate, but I've had some wonderful relationships terminated due to this behavior of purporting to want to be challenged in your opinions. I think it's a desperate ploy that people use consciously or unconsciously to get people to listen to them. You know, sort of like alluding to, hey, uh, I'd like to know what you ha- what you think about my opinion, but then, of course, not being the least bit interested in what the other person thinks, or even even being offended by what the other person thinks. And it could be argued that if you're out in a public forum es- expounding your opinion or your perspective, then obviously you want to be challenged. 
So I think there are a lot of desperate people out there that don't understand what communication is. They don't understand the three E's of entertainment. Yes, the word entertainment has three E's in it, and they actually stand for something. To educate, to entertain, and to enlighten. And it is easy as fuck to entertain. I think certain people work a little too hard to do it. And some even enlighten to some degree. And again, not all that hard. But what most are neglecting here is to educate. And not only, of course, educate other people, but to educate themselves in the subject matter that they're speaking about. To understand the basics of civil debate. To utilize basic logic and reason. And perhaps even common sense when it applies. I've been a magician, professional magician, for many, many years. I know the ways of deception. And there are two kinds of deception. Deception where you deceive others and deception where you deceive yourself. With self-deception, of course, being the most insidious. Because people that self-deceive don't even realize that they're deceiving others. And oftentimes it's hard to tell the difference that if someone is purposely deceiving you or unconsciously deceiving you. And then there's the whole litmus test of spirituality, religion, Christianity, etc. That really pre-qualifies you for this sort of behavior. So I'm going to do a particular person a favor. I'm not going to name names. And mostly because this just doesn't apply to this one person. I've accused you of mental masturbation. Of intellectual dishonesty. If you don't want to be challenged, don't ask to be challenged. When you entertain the masses just to be accepted, you become the puppet that we all like to scrutinize. Remember, entertainment has three E's, and you have to follow them all if you're going to be out in the public sphere. You don't have to be great at it, you just have to do it. Educate, entertain, and enlighten. I have my own personal example of how learning, how educating is difficult, um, especially educating yourself. And uh, one of the instances of this, and there's many in, <laughs> in my world, uh, learning how to play guitar. I've played, I, I play several instruments and um, I play a couple of them pretty well. The guitar I've been playing the longest, and um, yeah, I, I refuse to learn how to play the guitar properly. <laughs> we could probably say this about art too, uh, visual art, painting, is I refuse to learn how to paint. Now, I'm hyperbolizing, of course, and I try to learn as much as possible, but there are just some nuances that uh, I, I'm definitely missing in painting and guitar playing. And uh, I guess that's you know, sort of what it's all about, isn't it?
there have been occasions that I've played guitar well, that I've gotten away with it, but I've just never really felt like I've mastered the guitar. And I like the how I feel on the drums when I when I'm good on the drums or when I'm good on the bass. I can get good at those instruments rather quickly if I just kind of play them for a while. But I never seem to get better on guitar. I don't know. I think most of my guitar playing is trying to avoid yeah, you got it. The blues. Oh, I hate that. I'm constantly trying to deny the premise that all Western music, uh, at least Western pop music, is a derivative of the blues. It's not that I don't like the blues. It's just that, uh, <laughs> in the words of uh, George Carlin, It's a loop. These are loops. Um, they're kind of cool loops. There's a lot of different loops. If you have a I product, you know, if you have any Mac product, it comes bundled with GarageBand. So if you have a GarageBand, you're more than familiar with loops. Yeah, that's what the, I'm not using GarageBand, this is Logic Pro, they're more pro version, I guess, of GarageBand. Logic, of course, being bought up by Mac, so they could utilitize Logic Pro and turn it into GarageBand. So it's cool what they've done here, I mean, anyone can just click and drag a loop and create music. But uh, therein lies the problem. I mean, you're not really creating music when you're just dragging loops. 
you know, I mean, maybe it's art, I don't know. It's sort of like, uh, collage. Yeah. I'd say it's more akin to collage. And collage to me is more akin to arts and craft. So maybe that's what music has sort of become. Arts and crafts. I guess it's not a bad word. Arts and crafts. But I guess I'm just old school. I like that you actually have to pluck strings or touch keys. To be honest, even the keyboard to me was a little too laid out, too automatic. But I've uh, grown warmed up to the, the keyboard in recent times. And then drums. Man, is there such thing as real drums anymore? And granted, you know, it's really hard to get a good drum sound. And now with, you know, automatic drummers and automatic loops. That sound great. I don't know. I, it's more arts and crafts to me, I'd say. There's no musicianship, really, involved. Not saying it's not art. I could be way off here. I just don't get it. How is click and drag and listen? How can you consider yourself a musician? Or do you? Maybe nobody, maybe nobody that does that actually considers themselves a musician. I don't know. No, I'm sure. No, it's not the real world. I've heard assholes out there. <laughs> I mean, I play several different instruments and I don't even really qualify myself as a real musician. Still striving, still working towards the goal of being a musician. I've even given up a couple times. Well, maybe I need to be more like those loops. Just keep going back. Just keep plugging away. And eventually... Hey everybody, Z here, and we have a special guest. <laughs> well, a return special guest, and that is the Great Everything. Um, the Great Everything had uh, had called bullshit on Daniel Dennett, which uh, you know, fair enough. It's a philosopher; you call bullshit on any philosopher. So, I want to give you a little intro to the up and coming segments. I've taken some intellectual issue with Patrick and a lot of the stuff that he says on his show. Now, he's 
been pretty much unwilling to address those things or has marginalized those things. Um, and so, you know, he just hasn't posted it, which is fine. It's his show. He's allowed to do that. And, uh, and that's fine. And also he has a wildly popular show. So I realize that, you know, there are many factors involved in his not replying to my call-ins. However, that doesn't stop me from calling in and trying to get through. Now, unfortunately, I've become used to this tone of consternation in people's voices when they communicate with me. Almost as if they are begrudgingly having to uh, lower themselves to my intellectual level. <laughs> unfortunately, they are climbing in the wrong direction. Typically, they need to look up, not down. But all metaphors aside, we really should be trying to see eye to eye with one another. Regardless of whom speaks the king's English best. Now, I've pointed out to Patrick in several call-ins that, and in many different ways, that I feel that he's being disingenuous and perhaps even somewhat of a charlatan. But perhaps not a conscious charlatan. And that's oh so easy to do on these platforms, right? Where we can kind of pick and choose and cherry pick what others say. Uh, just a little bit of backstory here. The Great Everything show is predominantly about philosophy, and he claims to want to help, you know, make humanity better, bring, help us to attain humanity. But mostly what he's doing is entertaining us with various philosophies. So my main retort is, in light of neuroscience, in light of, in light of cognitive psychology, philosophy has little to no relevance. And so much work needs to be done in our world. And if you're going to claim that you're someone that is trying to help, then help. It's fine that you entertain, but also honestly educate and enlighten. Let's not regurgitate the same old ancient dogma. So the topic here is free will, and it shouldn't be a very long topic. We have limited choice is what we have. So if you want to call that free will or whatever you want to call it, eh, whatever. But we're limited in our choice. We're going to live. We're going to die. We can't choose our skin color. We can't choose our mother. And only up until recently did the lot of us have any choice at all. Now, how much more deeper do we need to get on this subject matter? Seriously. Now, I know a lot of us out there love philosophy. I was somewhat kind of a, I'm a closet lover of philosophy myself. Now, I'm such a fan of uh, Daniel that one of my koi fish are named after him. Well, it turned out to be a female, so I had to rename him, her, Danielle. However, he is a philosopher, so I don't really pay much attention to him, quite honestly. But his general concept of free will seems to be completely sound. You know, it's all too easy for people to weave philosophical cobwebs to then trap people into, well, your way of thinking or your particular opinion. All right, so I'm going to play the call-in. Uh, I'm going to play Patrick's response, which I'm so fortunate to uh, have him respond. 
And then I'll play the good Daniel Dennett um, and his response on free will. And I think you'll have a better understanding of uh, the various perspectives here. All right. Thanks for listening. Integrity Radio. Hi, Patrick Z here. You offer on your station to challenge your views. Yet, when I challenge your views, you just ignore them. Or you half-heartedly respond to them. And then you say that my good friend Daniel Dennett is bullshit. Or rather, his perspective on free will is bullshit. Now, even though he is a philosopher, um, I don't hold that against him. I still like the guy. But if you're going to call bullshit on my buddy Daniel Dennett, then... (laughs) you should at least explain. Otherwise, the stuff that you're spouting kinda starts to resemble, well, bullshit. Listen, at the very least, why don't you just take out the fact that you don't wanna be contested. You don't want your views challenged. That would at least be honest. Most people think consciousness, whatever it is, is just supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. It's something so wonderful, 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 wonderful that, that we have to sort of divide the universe in two to make room for it, all on one side, all by itself. And I understand why they think that, and I think it's just wrong. It is wonderful. It's astonishingly wonderful, but it is not a miracle, and it isn't magic. It's a bunch of tricks. And uh, it really is, I like the comparison with magic, because uh, stage magic, of course, is not magic magic, it's a bunch of tricks. And consciousness is a bunch of tricks in the brain. Uh, And we're learning what those tricks are and how they fit together, and why it seems to be so much more than that bunch of tricks. Uh, Now, for a lot of people, the very suggestion that that might be so is offensive or repugnant. They really don't like that idea. And uh, they view it as an assault, sort of an assault on their dignity or their specialness. And I think that's a, a, a prime mistake. It's a mistake because it means if you think that way, you're going to systematically ignore the paths of exploration, of research, that, that might tend to confirm that. And you're going to hold out for mystery. You're going to hold out for more specialness than is really there. And some people just can't help themselves. They, 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 they can't take seriously, they won't take seriously, the idea that consciousness is uh, an amazing collection of, of sort of mundane tricks in the brain. And they say, oh, I just can't imagine it. And I say, no, you won't imagine it. You can imagine it. You're just not trying. I think I think the the hidden agenda and not so hidden very often for all of this is concern about free will. I think that at, at the bottom of the barrel, what people are really worried about is that if we have an entirely naturalistic and ultimately in a certain sense mechanistic at the at the nano level, at the at the protein level, if we have a mechanistic theory of consciousness, this will show that 
oh my gosh, we don't have free will, and then life has no meaning, and and I can't be responsible for my uh, best or worst deeds. And that doesn't follow. But uh, fear that it would follow rattles people and deflects them from taking these ideas seriously because they really don't want them to be true. My approach to that is to challenge that desire and say, no, everything you want or should want in the way of free will, you can have on this picture. You, there's some traditional notions of free will that turn out to be impossible on this view. Tough. But why do you want them? They're not important. They are, they are uh, simply ill-founded desires. The varieties of free will worth wanting, you can have. Uh, and so take a deep breath, relax, and let's figure out how it's done. For billions of years on this planet, there was life but no free will. Physics hasn't changed, but now we have free will. The difference is not in physics. It has nothing to do with determinism or indeterminism. It has to do with ultimately with biology, particularly evolutionary biology. What has happened over those billions of years is that greater and greater competences have been designed and have evolved. And the competence of a, of a, of a dolphin or of a chimpanzee, uh, the cognitive competence, the, the sort of mental competence, is hugely superior to uh, the competence of you know, a lobster or a starfish. Uh, but ours dwarfs the competence of a dolphin or a chimpanzee, uh, perhaps even greater extent. And there's an entirely naturalistic story to say to tell about how we came to have that competence or those competences. And it's that can-do. It's that, it's that power that we have, which is natural, but it's that power which sets us aside from every other species. And the key to it is that we don't just act for reasons. We represent our reasons to ourselves and to others. The business of asking somebody, why, why did you do that? And the person being able to answer is, it's a very simple and very, it's an everyday phenomenon, but it is the key. And it, it is the key to responsibility. And in fact, the word responsibility sort of wears its meaning on its sleeve. We are responsible because we can respond to challenges to our reasons. Why? Because we don't just act for reasons. We act for reasons that we consciously represent to ourselves. And this is what gives us the power and the obligation to think ahead, to anticipate, to see the consequences of our action, to be able to evaluate those consequences in the light of what other people tell us, to share our wisdom with each other. No other species can do anything like it. And it's because we can share our wisdom that we have a special responsibility. It's uh, as the old tag would have it, it's noblesse oblige. We have the power, and that's what gives us the obligation. And that's what makes us free in a way that no bird is free, for instance. Mm -hmm.